Good morning. How's everyone doing? All right. Okay. Um, so for those of uh, those of you I have not met yet, because uh, there are some people I have not met, um, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Laz Reyes, and uh, my wife Steph is probably taking the baby to the uh, nursery, so she's not here, but... Uh, yeah, um, so Pastor Oren uh, asked me to step in, as he does from time to time, as he does with other people as well, so that's why I'm up here. Um, so uh, yeah, so I'm glad to be able to share with you this morning, and uh, let's pray together before we jump in. Then, Father, Lord, uh, we give you glory, Father, for first of all, for who you are, Lord, and Lord, for what you've done for us, for adopting us, for loving us all the blessings you give to us, Father, and we continue our worship of you uh, in your word, Father, and Lord, we know we have a very, very uh, true enemy, Lord, that is against us, Father, that does not want us in your will, does not want us to seek the lost, Father, so we pray, Lord, that you would illuminate your word by your Holy Spirit, we pray that he would guide us today. And show us, Father, uh, the enemy's plan and how we can defeat him. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. All right, so today we're finishing our series in Ephesians, uh, square one. And uh, all throughout the series, we have been thinking about how do we build upon our faith, how we build our faith upon the right foundation. Right, so that's what we've been trying to answer, and I'm so excited to be able to share in this final piece of truth as we get to the armor of God. And so one thing I just want to lay out first is this is something that we could simply gloss over because it's one of those sections of Scripture that we know well, right? Uh, the armor of God, put on the armor of God. And so um, I just want to put out there that I know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, right? Because what I'm about to say might seem like a defeatist attitude, but I think what happens is if, if we don't look at this in the right light, we don't say, okay, there's a very real enemy out there, and this, this is his schemes. We can gloss over it and be like, oh, you know what? I, I know it. We're good, and, and move on with life. So we're, we're just going to get that out there. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Amen? All right. But there's an enemy out there, so we're gonna see. We're gonna see what he's uh, what he's up to. So, as some of y'all know, I spent some time in the military uh, right out of high school. So, I joined at the very young age of 17. I joined the U.S. Marine Corps, and then a little bit later, we got a Marine in the house. Hoorah! Yeah, Semper Fi. And then after that, I'm sorry, I, I jumped ship and I went to the Air Force. Uh, so. Oh, okay, let's go Air Force. All right, Marine Corps, Air Force, we're represented today. All right, so obviously we're talking about spiritual warfare. We're talking about putting the armor of God. So my mind naturally goes to the military and how we prepare ourselves in the military. And we just went through Veterans Day and the Marine Corps birthday. Hoorah! So I think about that. And, and as I was thinking through my time in the military, my time in uniform, I, I thought one... <laughs> very specific memory came to mind. And so we like to say that every Marine is a rifleman, right? So when you go to boot camp, you are not going to leave that place until you learn how to shoot. And uh, a lot of the infantry folks, 
uh, say that that's just something that uh, we say for people who are other than grunts to feel better about themselves, about not being grunts. And I was one of those people. So anyway, so you train to shoot a rifle. And so there's this portion in basic training in, in boot camp where um, they teach you that you become familiar with the gun. And so you get into all these poses that you're going to be shooting from. And they call it snapping in. And, and it's very boring because they talk about the weapon over and over and over again. And then you're on the floor and you're getting up and you're on your knees. And then finally it gets to the point of the practical application, right, what everybody's been waiting for. And so you, you go and you shoot. And so the way they do this, you got like 30, 40 people in a platoon, right? And so they break people up in half. And so the people who are going to be shooting in the morning are going to be pulling targets in the morning. Uh, so you got people shooting and people pulling targets. And then they switch. The people who shot in the morning will then pull targets in the afternoon. And the people who pull targets in the morning will shoot in the afternoon. So all that to I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of context. I know it's a lot. Uh, Steph gets on me all the time about how I give too many details, but I got to paint the picture for you. So I got to shoot in the morning, so that meant I was going to be pulling targets in the afternoon. Now, it's not a very sophisticated piece of equipment. It's, it's manual labor. So you're out there, and so you're behind the berm, so it, it's like grass and dirt, and you're kind of like, so it's like here, and you're like way down here, and you pull the targets up so they can shoot it, right? And so then you're, it's this heavy metal thing with a wooden frame, and then the target's on it. So you pull it up, two of you pulling it up, so they can shoot. So once the range person says, hey, get that dog target up in the sky, dog target up in the sky, you put it up, they shoot, you pull it down, and then with a big white circle, you mark where they hit. So then they could plot it on their book and then adjust if they need to, right? So I'm up there, we're pulling targets, pulling targets, and then I'm thinking about dinner because you're always hungry and you're always tired in boot camp. And so finally it comes time for us to leave and everything has to be done with quickness in the Marine Corps, especially in boot camp. So once it was time to leave, I'm running, I'm jumping off the little thing, and I'm running to get in line. I'm just perfectly standing there waiting. And then I hear the drill instructor scream, and he's using very colorful words, some of which I will not share with you. Actually, none of which I will share. <laughs> so then, uh, director translation would be, I am highly upset and very disappointed in one of you. One of you has chosen to leave their rifle here against the wall. And I would like to know who that person is, right? Obviously, he's not that calm and he's not using those words. And I'm just like, oh, man, I, I would hate to be that person. And I, I start to feel myself a little light where my sling would be, where my rifle would be hanging on my shoulder. It's a little light. So I go, oh, no, I'm that person. So all of a sudden, I, I run to the drill instructor. And so you got to, first of all, you got to request permission to speak to him. But I skipped all that, and I said, sir, good afternoon, sir. Proper greeting of the day. It's this recruit's weapon, sir. So obviously, you got to speak in third person because I and me is no longer part of your vocabulary. That's gone. Sir, it's this recruit's weapon. So he proceeds to grab me by my neck and push, pin me against the wall. So I start to black out. So honestly, I don't really remember what he told me, but direct translation would probably be something along the lines of, son, I care for you. I don't want you to be in harm's way without your weapon. So you know what? I'm just giving you a valuable memory here so you can store in your brain bank there so you will never, ever, ever do this again. Okay, we're done now. Go on off and play with your brothers. So as I began to see stars and he gives me my weapon very forcefully, I get in line and I guarantee you I never, ever, ever forgot my weapon again. But why... 
Why do I say that? So, not just like the drill instructor, the drill instructor, but along those lines, Paul does not want us to be caught without our weapons. See, because to the drill instructor, so mind you, this is 2002, right after September 11th, I'm in boot camp, and to him, within a few months, I could be in harm's way, where not having my weapon could be the difference between life or death, right? So just like that, Paul is saying, you know what? I want you to listen up. I want you to listen up because this is what the devil's schemes are. And this is how you're going to get by. I don't want you to be without your weapon. So that's what we're going to look at. And so as you turn with me to Ephesians 6, if you're not already there, we're going to see a few things. We're going to see the schemes of Satan. We're going to see the armor of God. And we're going to see the prayer and the spirit. Okay? Schemes of Satan, the armor of God, and prayer and the spirit. All right. Let's read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will not be able to so you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against the schemes, uh, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. So you will be able to resist in that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that the utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known the boldness and the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I, in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Okay, so... The book of Ephesians, if we look at it, can be broken up into two parts, all right? So we can say, this is the vertical. This is what, this is our relationship with God. This is what we get from God. And then this section could be the horizontal. So now in light of all this that we have here, how do we live that out practically in our lives, which is what we've been talking about, right? As we get to know God, as we get to love him, we live a certain way because that's what happens when you're in relationship, right? You're in relationship with God. You get to know about him. And sooner, little by little, in community, you see how you're supposed to be living. You read how you're supposed to be living. And that starts to work itself out. So Paul has mentioned all these things. We get this from God. This is how we live in light of it. This is how we're to be imitators of Christ. This is how our, everything should be impacted in all of our relationships. This is how we submit to one another. So on and so forth. And then he gets to this part where he says, finally, after all this, along with all this, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his spirit. Put on the form of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. <laughs> he, he's spoken about all this and then he starts off with like, hey, listen to me. I know why. And I know, I know why it's there. At least Laz knows. 
I'm sure maybe some of you know why as well. Why does he start off with stand firm or be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might? Because Laz wants to do it Laz's way. When something comes into Laz's life, usually, if most of us are honest, we look for man's answer to the problem. Say, okay, how, how, would I, how would I handle this? How would my dad have handled this? How, you know, and that's good. That's good to have mentors. That, that's good to look at what people before you in the race have done. But Paul's saying, don't start with yourself. Don't start with your wisdom. That's, that's the wrong place to start. You're starting with no power. You're lying to yourself thinking you can handle this. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. We want to put our back into it. We want to give more elbow grease. But all along, we see Paul saying, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. That means don't go anywhere. Stand where you're at. And where is that? In the strength, in the power of the Lord and the strength of his might. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus' work on the cross. If you're under Jesus' work on the cross and everything that that entitles you to, all the riches, all the, riches, all the blessings in heaven, all the power that you need, the, the Holy Spirit, if you're under that, that is the best place to be. That's the best place to start from. So he says, stand firm there. Stand in his power. But how do we do that? Practically, well, I'm glad you asked. Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We know that the devil is a liar. We know that the devil schemes. If we look back to Genesis 3, we see that the Bible says that he was the craftiest of all animals, right? Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. I don't know exactly how it all plays out and how they're talking to a serpent. But the deceiver knew exactly the shape and form he needed to take in order to be able to deceive Eve and Adam. And he has them judging like he has them rethinking what God has said. Like, really, did God say that you would die? Out of all this that the Lord has created, there's that one thing you can't do. And what does he get them to do? To focus on this. He has them thinking that they're missing out on something just because they can't have this. And before you know it, they fall and sin enters the world. He is a schemer. But, you know, we, we look at Eve and Adam and we say, you know what, how, how could you guys even do this? You walked with God and you heard him speak and it's so easy to look. Again, we say this all the time. It's so easy to look at the people in here and say, man, you guys are so dumb. You walk with God, you walk with Jesus. Let me tell you, if, if, Laz's, if Laz's life was in here, I, I probably wouldn't even walk through that door. I'd be like, oh man, these people just think I'm an idiot. Like, how many times has God shown up on my behalf? How many times have I seen God move and yet I falter, yet I fall? 
So, he's a schemer. In, uh, in the movie The Usual Suspects, one of the characters, um, he's describing this person. And uh, he said, you know, he uses his metaphor and he says, the greatest trick the devil has ever pulled is to convince people that he doesn't exist. That's what the devil wants. He wants you to think, you to think that he either doesn't exist or that he's some little red guy with a pitchfork and he's like, it's a cute little cartoon. There are movies out there and shows out there that portray the devil in, in, in a good light. Um, you know, I had seen something on Netflix called Lucifer. And I'm just like, what the heck are we watching, people? You know, and I, again, I'm not here to condemn anybody or say, hey, like, hey, we need to get rid of this book or this movie or whatever. All right, so let's get that straight. But I'm just like, a show about Lucifer, and, and the guy's name is Lucifer Morningstar, and they're just playing, they're, they're having fun with this. And so I'm like, you know what, in preparation for this, I'm like, you know what, let, let me look up the trailer, let me look at it. Y'all, can I tell you that I was, I was like, I might watch this show. This looks pretty interesting. It's, they, make, they make Lucifer seem to be a good guy. Like in just a couple of minutes of the trailer, I was rooting for Lucifer. Can you, like, so I guess the premise is that Lucifer, like, is out of hell. He wants to get out of hell. And he, he, he wants to be a good guy. He's against evil now and he still uses his powers of like persuading people to give up their dirtiest secret in order to, to do good. And I'm just like, is it a coincidence that Hollywood would put something out there like this to have just people like, I'm telling you, in a couple of minutes, I was like, The enemy wants you to either think he doesn't exist or he wants you to think like he's some little something to play with. That's how he's, he's not anything to play with. He wants your ruin. He wants your demise. He doesn't want you to be working. He doesn't want you on the team. He wants you riding the bench. So he doesn't want you to think that he exists. But Paul is saying, don't fall for that. Put on the armor and stand firm. As a matter of fact, he, he starts to build out his argument. He says, you know what? On top of that, I want you to look in verse 12. As I, he's writing to people and he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world's forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a spiritual battle going on. There is. I, let me tell you, I, I have seen some stuff. I'm not going to spend some time talking about it here, but if you want to hear a cool story, ask me later, ask me some other time, and I'll, I'll tell you a little something about a little demon possession um, that I was able to witness with my eyes. Spiritual battle is going on around us, and we forget this. We forget this. Every day we go on in our lives, and, and I'm the main guilty one. I'm thinking, okay, I got to get to work. I got to do my job. I got to provide for my family. I got to take care of my wife. I got to take care of my son. And before you know it, and I'll mention this later, the things of the Lord have, have fallen by the wayside. So he says, our 
fight is not against flesh and blood. It's, taking on, it's happening in the heavenly places. And he's mentioned that before. If we look in chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In verse 20, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his, at his right hand in the heavenly places. And finally in verse 2, 6, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. So there's this spiritual realm with, where everything is going on. So the good news is not only is this battle taking place, not only is the demonic, uh, the demonic forces trying to wreak havoc, we have all these spiritual blessings. We have all this power available to us from the spiritual realm where we are at as well. So, we have to reframe our mind and thinking. And I'm not, I'm not the type to say the devil is behind every bush and everything, but we have to reframe our mind and, and think the devil has his schemes, all right? I, I played, I played uh, sports in high school. I played basketball and flag football because our school was very small. We weren't that big to, uh, to have a real football team or anything like that. And so we didn't have money, and we didn't do this. But large teams, high schools, college, sports teams, have a video that they watch, right, on their opponent. So next week, next, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be playing so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, you know, let's watch the tape and, and let's figure out their weaknesses. The devil is not omnipotent, omnipresent, neither, neither are the demons. But guess what? You got some demons that have seen your tape. You got some demons that know you. And while you as a believer cannot be possessed you can certainly be oppressed and guess what the demons can um what's the word i'm looking for i just went blank the demons can um use non-believers and can possess non-believers and affect your life so he's watched your he's watched your tape the demons have watched your tape and they know how to take you down. Demons have watched my tape. They know what makes me tick. And while they can't directly influence me, they can make things happen. They can make last doubt. They can make last fear. Consider your tape. Consider what they can use against you. Verse 13, therefore, take up the full armor of God so you may be able to resist the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So scholars are divided on what this evil day is. Some people think it's the end of days and so when there's this all-out war. And then others think it's just the day where your time comes up where you get an all-out attack on your life. By the demonic realm. And, and I know I've been there before. Have you been there where it seems like everything is going wrong for you and only you? And people are walking around you like everything's hunky-dory and nothing's wrong with them. 
You're the only one who's suffering. And it seems like it's pinpointed right towards you. And you're just like, ah, I don't know what to do. That's because it's the evil day. It is the day that for whatever reason they have chosen to bring this assault against you. Um, so Paul is saying, don't try and fight this yourself. Again, just stand. And where are we standing? Under that coverage that Christ provides. His work on the cross. Your faith, by God's grace, you have that faith to believe in his completed work on the cross and what all that means to you. So he says, okay, don't try to fix that problem. Don't try to go this way and fix it yourself. Don't try to go this way. Don't react that way. Don't just lunge at people. Just stand firm in this, in Christ's work on the cross. Nothing that can come from you can make this right. All right, so let's get into the armor. Verse 14, and, and I'm just going to put this out, out there. So Paul uses a metaphor, right? We all know he's, probably, he's, he's in chains, and he sees the Roman guards with him, and he's probably looking at them, and he says, you know what? That's, that's pretty good. And so the Holy Spirit inspires him to, to write this, and he's using the armor as a metaphor. So what I don't want you to get lost in is, is the metaphor itself. Don't get lost in like, okay, it has to be this one thing and the breastplate and the, and the sword and this and that. I want you to get lost in what it means, what it means for us practically in our lives. Okay, let's not get lost in, in this here, but say, okay, we got a sword, we got a breastplate, we got shoes, we got this and that. What does that mean for us? Can we do that? All right, cool. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth and having put on the, breath, uh, the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, so having girded your loins with truth. So Roman soldiers, before they got to fight, they would wrap their clothes up and, and cinch it up in the belt so it gave them ease of movement. You don't want to be tripping on anything. You want to be able to, to fight, right? So what he's saying is, do that with the truth. Do that with the truth. Surround yourself with the truth. A very real battle. And Paul is saying, the truth needs to be about you, be around you at all times. God's word is the truth you are to live by. And you use that. You use your position. When Satan tries to tell you different, you know where you are. You know the covering you're under. Use that, and Satan and his flunkies can't do anything about it. They will flee. We start with the right foundation, and we build off of that, right? So we know where we live, we know who we are in Christ, and we're focused on that. So next, we have the breastplate of righteousness. So what does this mean? We have Christ's righteousness imputed in us. So that's some fancy way to say, by God's grace, through faith, we have Christ's righteousness on us. So we live in, in that forgiveness, that Christ's righteousness, his work on the, Christ, on the cross provides for us. So standing in that truth when the devil accuses us and tells us that we're not good enough, we know. We know we're righteous through Christ. 
But it also means that we don't want to let, let ourselves off the hook. It also means that there is a righteousness that should be working itself out in our lives. Right? If we are following our master, we should be looking like a little bit like our master, right? I'm not saying we're, we're to be perfect or we do everything perfectly, but if we're following this person of Jesus Christ, there should be something in our life that someone says, oh yeah, that guy right there, that girl right there is something different. I know what it is. Not only do they talk the talk, but they walk the walk. And so our lives, out of our lives, that, that truth, that righteousness begins to flow into the way we live. <clears throat> the enemy is subtle. All right? he, his, his attacks are subtle. Just like a large ship, you turn it one degree, and it might not seem much now, but in a few hours, guess what? It's going to be way off course. And I can't tell you how many times in my life it started with one degree. And then before I know it, I look up and I'm, how did I get this far? The schemes of Satan. He doesn't want you on the team. He wants you on the sidelines. <clears throat> and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Having shod your feet with the gospel of peace. What does this mean? This means that if you're living in truth, in God's truth, in a way that reflects his righteousness, there will be a peace that will confirm you're on the right track. I'm sure just like you've had those evil days where it feels like everything is against you and you don't know what to do. I'm sure you've been on this side where everything is against you. You just have this peace that you can just feel. And people are looking at you and saying, I don't know what or how they're doing it, but they're doing it. And you know. Your faith tells you why. My toots was this way. She, uh, Yeah. <clears throat> Man, if you guys would have known her, whew, you would have loved her. She went through, I don't know, how many was it? Five or six rare cancer battles. And fought them. Fought them and fought them and, and just had this peace and this love and this joy for everyone around her. It was contagious. And you just look at her and say, I don't know how you're doing it. Until finally her, her body couldn't stand anymore. Uh, they cut a piece of her liver out and supposed to regenerate and it didn't. And uh, it just kept getting worse and worse until we made the decision to bring her home. And so um, it's actually a hospital where we're living, where we're renting now. Um, she came from the hospital and that's the last place she was ever at. And so it's weird because there were tears. I'm not going to lie to you. There were tears, but there was laughter. There was peace. There was talking about memories and, and, and things. So many people had come from all over to say goodbye to her. 
And she had the strength to talk to people and focus on people and say specific things to those people until it was time where she couldn't talk anymore and that's it. She had her eyes closed and, you know, and we just took care of what we needed to take care of for her. And in a couple weeks, she was gone. But we worshiped the Lord. We, We were laughing by her bedside. Got to give her kisses and hugs. She gave us hugs with a little bit of assistance, lifting up her arms. But she was like that. She had this faith. Amen. That no matter what was going on, and I'm, I'm not telling you she didn't have bad days where she questioned, and, but the point is, she had her faith and it pushed her to trust that God is who he said he is, and she was able to walk off this earth with this vibrant faith that she had, trusting that the Lord was going to do what he said he was going to do. That's what it means to have your to shod your feet with the preparation of a gospel of peace. So up to this point, every every piece of armor has been something that you have on at all times. How do we know that? He says, having girded, having put on. Having shod, it's, it's a state of being. It's, it's a way that you are at all times. You're, you're to be this way at all times. Now comes these tools that we take up as needed. And that's not saying every now and then. It's probably, it's probably every day in an everyday battle. But now you're taking up tools. And he says, in addition, in addition to all of this that I have already said, to stand firm and, and have this and have this, take up the shield of faith, which with with which sandwich, with which you'll be able to sandwich all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Not just regular arrows, flaming arrows. Isn't that a little bit excessive? Like, I mean, you could kill somebody with an arrow. You don't need to put a flame on it. But think about it. My mind goes to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Kevin Costner, back in the 90s. And so they, they go to Sherwood Forest and, and the, the barbarians are there and what do they do? They're shooting arrows with fire. Because guess what? What are their homes made out of? Wood. Wood and straw and this and that. So they want to burn it down. Burn it all down. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to burn it all down to the ground. If you don't have your faith, what do you have? Nothing. There are people walking around who don't have that blessed assurance that we have. The grace that God provides to allow us to be able to believe that Jesus did what he did on the cross and we are forgiven forever and our relationship with God is restored. If you don't have that and and you walk away from the Lord, your life is in shambles. That's what the enemy wants to do. So Paul is saying, hey, take take up the shield of faith. Believe God is who he said he is. Believe that Christ's work on the cross is all you need. Again, we go back to the cross. That is all we need. That is the covering. That is the protection. Take up the shield. And you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Can someone think of a picture in the Bible 
where the flaming arrows were extinguished. I'm thinking Matthew 4, where Jesus is being tempted. And everything that Satan throws at him, Jesus comes back with the word. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, which is uh, the word of God. And that's where that comes in. The helmet of salvation, your mind, everything flows from this, right? Your thoughts. We have to protect this. The mind, the mind is a very powerful thing. How many times have you talked yourself out of something? How many times have you zapped yourself of energy because you're worried about a problem that hasn't even happened yet? You spend all your time worrying about something that might not even happen. How many times have I gotten into trouble for something that's happened in Steph's dream? <laughs> and I'm getting yelled at the next day. You're worrying about something that hasn't even happened. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. The sword is like, instead of picturing this big broad sword, think of a smaller sword used for hand-to-hand combat. So this is like life or death situation. People are really close and you're like, you're fighting for your life. Just like Jesus did when he said, all right, you tell me this, boom, I'm going to hit you with scripture. But it's the spoken word of God, the sword of the spirit. The only offensive tool in our toolbox. Everything else up to this point, some you put on, some you block. The only offensive tool is the sword. The word of God, spoken. And what did the devil do? The devil had to leave, right? There was no way he was going to fight God's truth. Finally, how do we put this together? With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this view, be on the alert. At all times, pray in the spirit. Prayer is the divine means of putting our spiritual armor on, which is the reflection of the person and work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Our resources, our spiritual resources our access through our relational communication with God. So how should we offer this prayer? Is it sometimes, whenever we feel up to it, whenever we got something big to pray for? No, it's at all times. All prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. With this in view, be on the alert with all the perseverance and petition for all the saints. At all times, when things are going good, at all times when things are going bad, does that mean you're not doing anything else? You're just sitting and praying all day? Are you a monk off in the desert by yourself? No. You're going about your business, but it's a constant thing that we should all be doing. And this is a great reminder to me to do it. When I'm at work and there's this big deadline, I'm just fretting over it. Again, worrying about something that hasn't even happening yet, Lord, help me to rest in what you have done. And I am enough. Not because of what I do, because of what you have done. You have this conversation you have to have with someone that's really tough, and you don't know if you're going to be able to do it. Lord, give me your words. Season my words with your wisdom, Father. 
Help me to love this person. Help me to see from their point of view what I could be fixing. And it says to pray for all the saints. What happens if you're praying for someone else? You're, you're praying for someone else, right? So you're not thinking about yourself, right? Because most of the time we are our own world, right? It's all about us and everybody kind of revolves around you, right? No. So what happens when you pray for someone else? When you are thinking about your brothers and sisters, when you're thinking about God's work, your focus is now off of you and you've put their needs above you. How can I meet so-and-so's need? How can I pray for so-and-so? The battle is waging in the spiritual realm. And this is how we gain access to everything that the first three chapters told us about. All that power tapping into the Holy Spirit. That's how we do it, through prayer in the Spirit. And even Paul did it. Paul wasn't afraid to say, hey, pray for me. And, and Tychicus is going to come and he's going to tell you about me so you're not worried. But pray for me. Pray for us. Pray for the gospel. Because we do things in community. And the enemy doesn't want us to be in community, right? He wants us to be off on our own, where he can pick us off like a sick little wildebeest. Okay, so what? Uh, I'm way over, I think. Um, so, what do we do with this? The devil has his schemes. We have the armor of God. We have our faith. We have our protection. We have um, the truth. These are things that we can go to tangibly every day. We have prayer to fight against the enemy. Uh, so recently, I say recently, uh, uh, the baby is about to be 14 months in a couple weeks. Um, and uh, let me tell you, that baby came and he rocked our world, uh, both good and bad. He's, he's a blessing, and we love him, but he just threw us for a loop. Uh, Steph and I have nieces and nephews, and, and we, when we were in seminary, we babysat for everybody because we knew, I'm like, I don't know how I'm making it through this. I, I only have a wife to be with and spend time with. These people were having babies like it was going out of style. Three, four, four to pop. And I'm just like, I don't know how you are functioning right now. How are you even awake? So you know what? We're going we're gonna to ba babysit for you. You guys go out. And we did that for plenty of our friends for free. Hey, you don't got to pay us. So we thought, hey, it's all good. We know what we're doing here. And this baby just threw us for a loop. It's one of those things you don't know until you're there, right? Like just like marriage. And so, um, yeah. I, that's why I say, like, we can read this and so many things we can gloss over. And when that day of evil comes, we, we just forget about things, right? We just, out of our own power, we decide to surge forward and try to make things happen. And I, I talked to Pastor Warren about this. We went out for coffee, and I was just like, look, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I got this far. Again, the ship just veering off. We got to the point where we hadn't been in church. It was like the baby's schedule. We got to keep the schedule. He's got to sleep. And oh, crap, if we get there now, it's like we're already well into the sermon by the time we get there. And the enemy had picked us off. He had 
pushed us off to the side where we were by ourselves because we were so focused on how we could take care of this. Instead of being here, instead of being in community. And I told Pastor Orr, you know, I've been in church my, not my whole life, uh, but it's been a long time now. I went to seminary. I'm not a school guy by any means, so it's God's grace that I made it through that place. <laughs> but I, I know these things. I know, I know, I know, but there was a, there was a, it was disconnected. There was a disconnect. And uh, we allowed for us to be placed to the side. So why do I share that? We're, we're on the other end of <laughs> trying to crawl back. But I tell you, when you go home today, as you're going about your business this week, when you're thinking about all these to-do lists, and maybe you don't got a large to-do list, maybe you're just hanging out. As you're thinking about everything you have to do, Think about the schemes. Think about how the devil and his minions might be trying to target you. He knew where to go. For me, his family, he knew where to go. And he took us out. So this week, read over Ephesians 6. Consider your life. Consider where the enemy might be trying to attack. And do not be afraid, but be sober-minded and consider and move forward in this, in the truth, in your faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in prayer at all times, knowing that God has got you. And as long as you're under that covering, you're good. All right. Thank you. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your grace, Father. None of us deserve it. None of us are good enough. We thank you for allowing us to have the faith to trust that your son's work on the cross is enough. We pray for the days of evil ahead, Father. We pray that we might trust you, that what you said is true, and we can live by faith in prayer with you, Lord, communicating with you, Father, and your spirit guiding us as we live for you. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. I pray they might be prepared for battle. And it's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.